Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Herbert. And you're listening to the About Last Night podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. Doing great, man. What's happening? Chilling, man. Like my hat. Looks- Seahawks. Are you a Seattle guy? I do. I'm in Seattle right now, bro. Oh, I'm from nice. uh, Shoreline. I don't know how well you know the area since you got here. You I know, know nothing. Yeah. Do you know that the first Starbucks is from here? I, that I did know. I've been there. Right. Do you know that um, do you know that Detlef Shrimp went to school here? I did not. But I do know who Detlef Shrimp is. That's huge. <laughs> There's going to be like... I remember. He was on like the uh, Sean Kemp yeah. Sonics and yes, stuff, right? Of course. Yeah, there, there's going to be a certain amount of like Seattle probably trivia that you're tested on. After I'd say like five years, you get to go like, you go, oh yeah, Green Lake, that's where the paddle boats are, right? And then people are like, <laughs> you're from here, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be here long enough. Five years, that's a long time. Oh, dude, I, I, dude, I've seen your workout regimen. I've seen the, uh, I've seen the, the pictures, whether they're doctored or not, or photoshopped online. But doctored. Yeah, yeah, you. Uh, have you just always been a fucking freak? At, I mean, you played hoops, football. I read that you too. You were like a, I think you set some shock book records in. Uh, your re- your research department is solid. That's about it, dude. I know that. And then I, yeah, you're gonna have to remind me your first name one more time. But no, uh, <laughs> were you always just like, because to be that, t- I'm always curious people of your size, at what point was the growth spurt? You know what I'm saying? Because there was a kid, Avery Gar- Garmeyer, uh, in my high school that went from seventh grade to ninth grade like seven inches and I'm yeah. talking below the waist and then he grew two above no it was all height but it was uh it was a crazy it was a crazy spurt and we were like oh if he doesn't play something he's wasting his size was that did you feel the same about you know I was journey? always tall I wasn't um I don't think I was like crazy tall like you know you hear some of these stories especially some of these basketball guys that were like six eight six nine when they yeah. were 15 you know I was always like the tall kid in class but I was never like in just like stood out. Right. Um, it wasn't really until high school, you know, as a freshman in high school, I was probably like six, two, which was tall. You know, I was 16, 15, 16. So I mean, I was probably six, one, six, two had played running back, played basketball, played baseball, like played all the normal sports growing up. Right. And then it wasn't until I got to high school that I started getting kind of like tall, skinny white guy, like basketball was kind of just like during the winter, but I knew there was no future there. Right. Baseball. I don't know. The idea of doing three major sports. I wasn't going to be a a running back at 6162 skinny white guy. Like right. I started kind of reading the tea leaves a little bit and my dad who was my coach was like, "You know what? We're going to move you after your freshman year when you go to varsity, we're going to move you to tight end." And I was like, "Really? Like that doesn't sound great." He's like, "No, he's like tight end. You know, he had a real good feel that the position was growing. It was you know, Tony Gonzalez and like all these guys, Jeremy yeah. Shockey yeah. had just left Miami. And uh, he said, you listen, you're not, you're a tall, skinny white guy. You're not going to really have any other options. You better figure out tight end. And here I am. Did you always have pretty good hands? That must have factored. Yeah, in, right? that part. So I had, I had an old, I have two brothers and one of them was a year older than me. And both of them were quarterbacks in college. So I, somehow I got like the short end of the stick. You know, I wish I, you know, I see all these quarterback contracts and I'm like, screw tight end. Like, I wish I would have been taught to play quarterback like my brothers. But, yeah, uh, yeah. but I was always the guy that did the dirty work. You know, I was the receiver. I was the guy that stood there when they did all their fancy quarterback drills. And I just stood there and I was the receiver and I just caught and caught and caught. Dude, so it was just huge. something. You had a built-in practice. I had like a built-in that. jugs machine since I was like six years old. Dude, that's insane. Did you, were you one of those kids too? Like, it was like a, um you know, uh, holding a ball all the time. Yeah. So my dad was our high school football coach in our town. Like how is that public school? 
This was in New, so in New Jersey, time, yeah? In New Jersey, yeah, like right outside of New York City, just like gotcha. a small public school in a suburb of the city. And um, from the time I was able to walk, you know, that was all we knew was high school football. It wasn't even really college or pro. Like, we, we didn't really follow a college team. We weren't like big Giants fans, even though we lived down the street. We really just, like, lived high school football. And yeah. we were just around the locker room, riding on the bus to the game, sitting in the meetings with my dad and his coaches. And uh, I don't know if we had much of a choice, but I think we liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But, uh, yeah. Well, I think was, any, uh, like, young boy – like, athletics for young boys are just, like – you know, I don't know at what point when it clicks when you're just, like – you know, even my brother-in-law now with my uh, nephew who's – you know, I think every – it's funny to see every parent now do this with their kid where they're like, dude, he, you throw him a ball, he'll fucking catch that shit. And you're like, <laughs> like dude, he's the next Greg Maddox. He's the next fucking Greg o – like, you, you can see it. I mean, <clears throat> there's half like that is true with some of these kids where you're like, oh, yeah, that is crazy that his sure. coordination is that um, articulate. Also, I think there's a little bit of pressure sometimes when parents are like, he's going to be a pro athlete. And I'm like, I think you mean he better be a pro athlete is what you're trying to yeah. – but but uh, if you have that built in around you, like for sure, and you're consistently consistently playing, then yeah, it's only natural that at some point you're gonna be like, oh fuck, this is fun. And then when you get good at it, right, and then you get to high school, it's like, I mean, that's there's really a big separation in high school football, isn't there? Of people there who is. you're that's, like, that's really you're on the track. Things, yeah. yeah, that's really where things separate. But I remember growing up, like. I don't ever remember talking about playing football in college, playing professional sports. Like I don't ever oh, really our dream growing up was like, I hope one day we can be good enough to play on the varsity team at my dad's school. Like that wow. in our little world, that was our life. I mean, yeah. we didn't really do anything else. You know, it was football, you know, in the other seasons we did sports, but like come summer and fall, from the time we were five, six years old, we were at my dad, we were going away with my dad's teams to like camps in the middle of nowhere for two weeks and like dying with the, you know, the high school kids were like dying. And oh, yeah. practice. That was like back in the day when you could just like literally kill kids. Oh yeah. Oh, Not I went literally. to a few, I played <clears throat> offensive yeah. uh, line and, and, um, and defensive line because uh, by the way, I wanted to play tight end, but my coach was like, there's no Jew tight ends back, <laughs> back to the back of the line, Ray. But uh, no, it was my coach. I just actually interviewed him. He told me he was like those camps. He's like, yeah, we killed you guys. I mean, it was insane Literally. the amount of two a days, sometimes three days. And I was like, yep. and he was like, yeah, we would just go to bars at night. I was like, is that like consistent with most camps? He's like, for sure. Like yeah. whether it's poker in the rooms or whatever. But but there was also, I mean, thank God you could get pushed that hard. I think because I'm sure, like you know, I've seen you take some licks, man, and I'm sure like that has yeah. been just instilled in you to where you're just, you bounce back. Right. Yeah. You know, it, again, I, I look back on it and it didn't feel weird. It was all we knew. It was yeah. all we did, you know, was, did you want to do anything else? I don't, people ask me like, well, what are your hobbies? Like, what else do you do? Oh boy. Like, all the Seattle get to know you uh, like, sports guys. Tell yeah, us about Greg Olson. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. to be honest with you, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know how to hunt. I don't know how to fish. You know how to make a hotel room look like an open house. Where it's are you actually, staying right this now? This is actually a condo. This is, is actually it? my condo. Yeah, you're crushing we had, it. We dude. had to rent furniture. Um, first time we're living in like a high rise. So we, we, you know, when my wife and I were like, all right, we're going to play this year. Where are we going to go? Yeah, we're take like, me through that real quick because that is like, that's a huge deal. People don't uh, understand at 35. To me, that's like, I'm, I mean, you know, I'm in 38. You're in way better shape than me. Thanks for bringing it up. But, like, you know, that's in football. You've been playing how many seasons now? Is it 12? This is 14. 14. Holy shit. That's, that's a solid career, however you slice it, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, things ended the way they did in Carolina. Um, you know, got released from them after nine seasons with them. So, you know, there was a strong consideration of just saying, all right, I'm done. Let's yeah, move on. Yeah, and nine on. crushing seasons, by the way. So, like, there's got to yeah. be something in you where you're like, go out on top, right? Like, Yeah, and, and that was the conversation. And as I said, I have so many hobbies. You know, I had so many things that I could do and look forward to doing in retirement <laughs> that after about yeah. 20 Competitive minutes. Competitive Uno. About, you know. a, about 20 minutes after considering that, my wife was like, I think you should play again. Like, the, you know, the thought of me sitting around the house with nothing to do, she – Dreaded. she was like that's not gonna happen but um so yeah you know so we we had a lot of cool opportunities and when we decided on Seattle you know the one thing we said was you know let's just make this a whole adventure for the for the kids for the family for us that's dope, let's dude. let's live like we never would have lived let's go somewhere we probably never would have gone and here we are living in a high-rise in Bellevue right outside of Seattle oh yeah dude um, there's the comedy club that I uh 
was my home club when I was up here. Uh, yeah. The parlor was right in that Bellevue Square area. It just closed down, unfortunately. I mean, we wouldn't be able to do shows for you guys right now anyway, but it's where they've hosted numerous Seahawks roasts over the years, like the roast really? of Doug Baldwin, the roast of Richard Sherman, which, as you can imagine, went great. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Very he well was received. Ve- he was very receptive to the, uh, to the insults. No, but it was um, – that whole area is so sick. I think it's really rad that you chose to look at it like that because – uh, and obviously, I mean, you're not going to a, a an organization that is uh, going to be fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, it's like, you know, I think you you probably factored in wanting to go to a spot that was like, hey, we're still trying to win a bowl this year, right? Yeah, and that you know, outside of, outside of the personal stuff, obviously the <clears throat> the main broad coming here was the team, the consistency. You know, ten you know in ten years, nine of them or something crazy. They've been in the playoffs. You know, proven head coach, proven quarterback a sustained culture of winning. You know, those were all things at this stage in my career. You know, I don't want to go be a babysitter. You know, I'm not looking to go, you know, help turn this thing around. I've done that already. You know, like I've done all those things and they were great and they were huge for my development. It was awesome to be a part of, you know, joining the Panthers in 2011 after they had won two games and five seasons, four seasons later, we had won 17. Like it was fun being a part of that climb, but like, I don't want to do it again. Yeah. So, you know, there's no guarantees in this league but you could make decisions that tilt the odds a little bit in your favor. And, you know, when you look at some of the most consistent winning organizations in the entire NFL, Seattle's at or near the top. And uh, that was very appealing to me and it worked on a lot of different levels. So here we are. Had you moved, uh, excuse me, your family before what, how old are your kids? So I have a nine year old son and then I had um, seven year old boy, girl twins. Oh, that's dope. So we got a full, we got it. So we moved them all out here. So we're living in a condo with three young kids, uh, 85 pound German shepherd. Yes. In the condo, in the condo. Killing it. Um, so yes. So, and we're homeschooling cause all the schools out here got shut down. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So I always tell people like, if you're looking to make like a career change at 35, you know, in our world is a, old yeah like do it in like the midst of a global pandemic like, <laughs> yeah, do it, that's good do advice it, do it when things <clears throat> are at their worst because <laughs> it just makes you just say whatever like yeah it, sh- life was going to be sh- like screwed up anyway no matter where i live so i might as well do the change during it yeah i mean you have to it's got to be kind of awesome to be i mean think about the amount of people that are a out of work and b having to you know adjust working from home or whatever it is and to even just be working during this, I'm sure is like giving you quite a bit of sanity, right? It gives me a lot of sanity. I, and I feel bad for my wife sometimes because she's home. The, she, you know, the kids don't go to school. She's teacher, mom, Man. you know, running the life. She has no break. And here I am coming home from work and I just want to sit around and be dad for an hour before they go to bed. And she's like ready to pull her hair out. And I'm like, I get it. Like, oh, man. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it all day. So she's right now the true MVP of this situation. And she's a trooper moving her whole life across. All of our families are on yeah. the East Coast. So oh, like really? They, you could have put us on the moon. Like Seattle from where we grew up is like Mars. You know, like Shit. no one ever lives in Seattle. Like yeah, yeah, no yeah. one ever lives that far away. And here we are. What, what was your, um, I'm sure fans uh, would want to know like what, and I'm sure you've been getting asked this question, but like your uh impressions of seattle when you played were just what downtown the stadium in and out right yeah i had very i had very little perception you know we we had played here a bunch of times but like you said we fly in on you know fly in a day or two before the game you stay in a hotel you don't go anywhere maybe you walk around the you know walk around to grab dinner or something the night before the game the stadium is incredible the environment is incredible so i'm glad i came out here when there'll be no fans um, so that'll be fun. And then we went home. So like, that was the experience. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've tried to take in, we had this big plan of having like this big adventure coming out here in the summer and we're going to go to Canada and we're going to drive out to the locks and we're going to explore the city. And obviously none of that's happening. Oh yeah. Cause you got of- signed before all this true. Yeah. So I down, signed right? in February. So when I signed here, like Damn. everything was great. And then the world came to an end like a month later and, uh, yeah. So we were like, Oh, okay. So I guess all of our life plans are, uh, like everybody else's obviously yeah. are, uh, going to be altered a little bit. Uh, what's the first thing you do when you go to a, and you've done this, uh, 
you know, twice now, like going to a, a new organization. Do you have like a, a, a superstition or a routine, like things like the, the first people that you want to meet with, the first things, do you go right to your locker and like set up a, a Yankee Doodle Candle Co., like vanilla bread, pumpkin bullshit, or do you like do a, like 50 sit-ups because like I'm going to score 50 touchdowns? Like do you have some sort of – You know what's funny? Like the Meet with Ross right away or, you know. The football stuff is like the least of your concerns. Oh, like, really? It's all like, the life stuff. You got to know, like when you get to the facility – stupid stuff like where's my locker where's all my stuff like I, I had nine years of just stuff in Carolina that I just knew was there at my disposal I knew the security guy I knew the guy who cleaned the bathroom I knew the guy who served us lunch I knew the guy the coaches the equipment I knew everybody first name basis anything here you walk in it's like you literally landed on the moon like you don't you, you don't wow. know anybody you yeah. don't know where to go where's the meeting room where's lunch what, where do we go to practice? What, I mean, it's literally like you're the new kid at school, you know, you don't know where, you don't know where your locker is. Is that weird too? Because you're like, super weird. uh, I'm a a superstar vet and you're coming in like, I'm the oldest guy on the team and I'm walking around like I'm a rookie. I don't know anything, you know? (laughs) Damn, what a cool dynamic. But everyone I'm sure is like, so everyone's been awesome. Yeah. Yeah, It's been awesome. Everybody's been great, but uh, you know, there's like an anxiety to that. You know, there's like a, Oh yeah. An uncomfortable feeling when, you're so used to being in a familiar setting that now all of a sudden in on the drop of a hat, you're in like a new world and everything is new. Forget the football. That part, that part's easy. It's everything else. Yeah. Like coming in and having to be like, yo, uh, rust, where's the, uh, where's the bathroom that's like out of the way. If you got to take an emergency dump, you know, like what's the one that that's a huge deal, right? Everybody knows that bathroom. (laughs) Everybody knows that. You have to, uh, What's the facility like? I hear nothing. I've taken one yeah, tour cool. to BMAC like, and gotten to see practice. It's like right on Lake Washington. The har- I'll tell you, the hardest part about where – I mean, the facility's off the charts. I mean, yeah. facilities are great. It's right on Lake Washington. There's boat slips. The practice fields, there's, like, people paddle boarding by. And I, I would say, like, that's the hardest part. Like, you're driving to work. It's early. You're sore. you got a padded practice. And, like, it's on a Saturday afternoon. And there's people, like, paddle boarding and laying <laughs> – and you're just, like – that looks kind of good. Like, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I really want, you know, and, yeah, yeah. But it's a, it's a, it's an awesome facility. They really treat us well. Uh, the people there have been great. But uh, sometimes in like the middle of like your fifth padded practice and you just look outside and there's just people like carelessly hanging out on the lake, you're like, that seems kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Well, you guys, I mean, it's like you're taunting so- you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you can't paddleboard, Olsen. You're like, yeah, yeah dude. No, I can't. I'm trying to I, win a I board. can't. I'm just trying to survive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What uh, did you have a, a chat with Pete, uh, like on the phone before you came over? Do they call you? What's the courting process like? Yeah, so I talked to him a few times on the phone, and then my wife and I actually came out here in February and did like a visit. You know, yeah. we spent two days out here just to meet some people and get familiar with the area and just kind of figure out what we were getting ourselves into. We visited here. We visited Buffalo. We visited. Uh, Washington. And um, yeah, you you know, that was really the first time meeting, you know, any of the coaches. Yeah, I had very little crossover with the with the guys here from coaches to players like hadn't really played with any of the guys hadn't been on it. None of these guys had been on a staff I'd been on. So it was kind of a weird deal. Like you literally were going somewhere where you had zero for the most part, zero prior relationships. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was both cool. And also you know, a little scary, you know? Yeah. Is this whole COVID thing just fucking bonker? I've been watching hard knocks to try to get some insight. Do you watch stuff like that? I've never watched hard knocks to be honest with you. I've never watched it. I've seen, I see like the highlight clips on social media or whatever, but I've never actually like sat down and watched. And I have guys like buddies who have told me it's like what they wait for every year. Oh yeah. It's like their game of Thrones. Like they just can't wait for another season. And I'm just like, Oh, dude. I live it. I don't need to see it. You know, like, yeah. I, I get it. I, I've been there. Then the narration, like with the, with the one with the Oakland Raiders, when Antonio Brown was on, you got Liv Schreiber's being like, another season for Antonio Brown means another helmet debacle. Will this one fit or will he throw one? And it's just like kind of snarky, funny diet. I mean, but it's also, again, it's for the fan. Like you said, you've lived it. Like all these shots of like, and football fans are, guys are so, and you must find it hilarious at this point to see, like, I mean, for me too. And you know, my fiance is next to me, and I'm, 
And I'm like geeking out being like, dude, those are the water fountains they drink after practice. She's like, what? <laughs> I'm just like, oh, sorry. I thought you were a guy and you cared. You know, it's like. <laughs> it's but, funny. So a couple of years ago, we did that all or nothing. Oh, yeah. So the Panthers were yes. all or nothing. So they followed us from the end of training camp through the entire season. Dude, what was that like? It was a night. I've never watched it. Like, I've never seen an episode of it. Never went back to watch it. People say it was great. Oh, yeah. I have no idea. But, um, you know, I was long. You know, at least Hard Knocks is just like a couple weeks. Yeah. But they were following guys to their houses, off days. I mean, they filmed for five months, four months, however yeah. long the season was. And the season was a disaster. It's too much. We sucked. We didn't win a lot of games. So, like, they're really trying to find material, you know. And Yeah. I don't know. It was just – I'm sure it was amazing for like the fans and I, yeah. I get it. I, yeah. I understand why they do it. It's just not something I've ever really gotten into. Was there a, um, what was that first zoom meeting? Like, I guess that's how you met the whole squad, right? The literally when I got out here four <laughs> weeks ago, I had never seen anyone face to face. Every guy on the team. I had only met like me and you right now. Damn. Just seeing them through a computer screen. So like, you're trying to learn like a new system and we're installing plays and we're doing like virtual walkthroughs, but you're also trying to develop like some sort of feel for like who runs the locker room, who are the main voices, what are the tight ends like, who, who, what are guys that I could see myself? Cause you're, you know, I'm on the East coast and all these guys are pretty much out here on the West coast. Yeah. It's like you're in a different, you know, different world. It was, um, it was unlike anything that I think anyone has ever been through, but, uh, but yeah, COVID has, has really changed. I mean, every single day getting up, going and do a COVID test, on, even on your day off, every single – I've been COVID – I'm the safest human being in the world right now. Yeah. I've been COVID tested every single day for like three weeks. Are you – every day. You're like, they're, dude, they're COVID tested in holes they're not even supposed to go to. But I'm just yeah. wanting to be that cautious. I'm, I'm the safest. Put the swab where – yeah. Is, uh, do whatever you got to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they just kind of what? They're grazing the nostril? Because I, yeah. I posted a video on the gram yesterday, and I did a drive through test here in Seattle. These guys put the thing – I mean, I put in the caption, my brain hurts. I don't know math now because, it, dude, it's like – and everyone's commenting like, yo, where and why are you getting it that yeah, deep? Some, like, of them are, some of them are like that. I've okay. heard um, – I've heard – fortunately for us, we just have the one they're just kind of like scraping the inside of our nose. Yeah, I guess that's so not fun. It, it takes 10 seconds Yeah, from the time we get there. They have it really, really organized. I don't know if the whole NFL has it disorganized, but the Seahawks organization has it down like Pat right now. And so now you're doing – getting to do walkthroughs, was that just like, I mean, a dream come – you probably were so – Yeah, we're in practice up. now. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we had our first padded practice. Uh, we've had two padded practices actually now. Damn. So we're, uh, we're off and running now. Training camp is officially real. Yeah. Is it like – just, I mean, going from having a, you know, time where you're like, oh, we might not get to do that until, I don't know, three weeks before the season starts. Like, yeah. Cause right. There was a time where they were really trying to figure out the X's nose of how this was going to go down. Yep. So I'm sure there's always a possibility of like, all right, it could maybe not get figured out until the last minute. But when that first day, when you got on the field, the VMAC and started catching balls and, and running routes, was it just like fucking the greatest feeling? Yeah. I think, cause I think everyone said, at one point during the off season, like this isn't going to happen, yeah. you know, when they started shut and then when they started shutting baseball down and those games were being postponed and all these nightmare stories about colleges shutting down. Dude, Costco got option, rid of samples. I was like, this is fucking getting out of control. It's, it's wild. Yeah. And, um, you know, then you hear all the horror stories about the false positives and yeah, you know, you hear though it's just, so for a while there, I, I understood it. I, I hope that they were going to figure it out. And, Again, maybe I'm naive, but I feel like they have a really – I feel like the system in place right now, it's worked. Yeah. Will it work forever? I, my fingers are crossed that it does, but it's worked for the last month. So I don't see why it's not sustainable. And the benefit is that the NFL has unlimited resources, right? So they can test every person that touches this facility every single day, and that's what they're doing. Is there something that you do as a tight end to develop rapport with the QB? And first of all, how important is that relationship like off the field for the on-field relationship? Like you mentioned trying to get rapport and know who's like, you know, the leader in the locker room through virtual stuff, which is real difficult, but just yep. developing, <clears throat> you know, cause you've had three dope QBs uh, now going into your third and, and 
and crushed it with, with, uh, with Cutler in Chicago and Cam in Carolina. And I'm so curious, like, what goes into <clears> – you know, I've heard from Gronk um, that, uh, that, you know, it's – some guys just lock in all football and they don't have to have that personal touch to really, like, get each other. If they get each other on the field, then it's all good. But I don't know. What, what, it, what is it like no, I, I think it's important. I, I don't think everyone has to necessarily be, like, best friends. And- yeah sleep at each other's houses, you know, I think, yeah. but I do think there's like that level of respect and like understanding each other on that personal level that does transfer over to the football. I think the number one way that you develop a rapport with a guy is just by being good, right? Like I'm going to be where you need me to be. When you throw it, I'm going to catch it. Like that's the simplest way to develop a rapport from there. You can build the personal relationships and start to understand each other and, all those things translate, right? Like people's personalities away from the building, they, it does correlate to their demeanor during practice, their demeanor on the field, their priorities, how they see things, how they, how they view the game. But like there is correlation and crossover before that. But at the end of the day, people gravitate towards guys who they can trust and can play. And to me, like that's the first way you earn, whether it's the quarterback you know, here with Russ or when it was with Cam or just earning, just developing that rapport with your teammates. Like right. first and foremost, like I want them every single day to walk up the field and be like, I'm glad he's on my team. Yeah. Cause like that's, <clears throat> that's it in a nutshell. People right. make it so complicated. That's it. Guys want to be on the team on the field with guys they can trust and who can play. Right. And if I can't trust you and you stink, I want you gone. And I would say the same to myself, right? Like that's just, yeah. that's the nature of the business. So you just, you have to, so you're, you, you're, you let your work speak for itself, right? So it's that's like, first, that's step one. Right. And so step is one. there, do you, uh, and obviously like you're, uh, um, you know, established at this point enough to not like sit down with Russ and be like, Hey, bro, by the way, bro, like I can, I can fucking catch. Like you throws me something. I can fucking catch it. Like he knows he's played against you. He's seen you. So is it, yeah. do you guys get on the field? Do you kind of like, are you excited to kind of develop like a new, uh, combo. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I know as a fan speaking, it's like, dude, when we picked you up, I was like, fucking, this is a weapon we have not had. And, th- and that Russ hasn't had, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody truly that, that, uh, you know, can block like you can block and has the hands that you got and it's got speed. And, and, um, you know, I'm curious what he says to you that, that might instill an extra level of confidence or does he go out of his way to say something or does he just go, no, this is a, a guy who, who's done it, knows what he's doing. I'm just going to let him do his thing and we'll figure it out. Yeah, I think in a short time, we've been able to develop, you know, those things that I just touched on that, you know, obviously I've seen from afar yeah. how good he is and what he's been able to do. And now being on the ground and being in person, it's even more clear why he's special really? and why he's so good. Yeah. Just seeing him operate every day up close and personal. But the conversation again, the starting point of every conversation I've ever had with the quarterback is like, put that on me to see things how you want it to be seen. And then from there, we can kind of figure things out and certain quarterbacks are, are more willing to adapt and think, but first step is it, you can't expect every quarterback to, to adjust to every single guy he's about to throw the ball to. It's, it's right. not sustainable. Right. So the, the, it needs to work the other direction. And then as you develop over the years, there's a little more freedoms. There's a little bit more, you know, kind of ad lib because you guys start understanding each other. But from, I told him from the first time we threw routes together was, Hey man, if you don't, if you don't see the things that I'm seeing when I'm running and I'm my break or my body language, my indicator isn't translating. Like you got to let me know because this is how I've done it for a long time, but that doesn't mean that it works now. So like there's gotta be some give and take. Right. And I think he was accepting of that. And I think he respected that. Because at the end of the day, if I do what I think and it's not the way he sees it, it doesn't help anybody. Yeah. Right. So like we, I got to make sure I see things the way he's accustomed to seeing it. And then we can start kind of making a little more customization to that relationship as we go. If that you makes and, sense. Yeah. A thousand percent. Thanks for breaking it down like that. Do, do you, uh, do you feel a little bit of um, pressure to be kind of a, uh, I don't know, father figure to Will Disley and, and Jacob Hollister, like kind of uh, taking on some young, some young guns. Yeah, you know, I've always enjoyed that role. Um, you know, that was a similar role that I had for a long time out in Carolina. I've always enjoyed talking the game. I've always enjoyed helping younger guys that they brought into my room or helping younger guys that they brought onto the team maybe at a different position. Like I've right. always 
enjoyed that part of the responsibility. But again, like that only works if you can play. Like guys don't want to hear advice from a guy who can't play. Yeah, if you're dropping you might, every pass, they're like, Dude, and you, why are we listening to you? Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So like first and foremost, you need to establish this guy can play, he can still play, whatever that level of your career, whatever the time stamp of your career is. If you're a rookie, obviously it's different than if you're in year 14, but you still have that obligation every year to your teammates to set that standard. Okay, I know when this guy says something to me, he's not full of shit. Right. He can actually do it. People are way more willing to listen to advice from people that they perceive as being good at their job and people who are perceived as using their own advice to their own benefit, right? If I'm telling you to do something one way and then you watch me and I stink and I can't get off the line and I'm telling you how to release, you're like, screw this guy. He can't do it either. Why would I listen to him? You know? So I'm at the point where I'm just trying to show these guys, like I'm here to play and then I'm an open book of information, whatever you guys want. Like I'm not, I don't pretend that I know it all and I'm not going to pretend that you have to do it my way to have success because you don't. But if you want my feedback, if you want my experiences, if you want me to share with you things that I've tried that didn't go so well, or things that I've adapted that have worked really well for me, I'm an open book. Um, But it all starts with being able to play. That's the ultimate equalizer in this game. You can be his best friend. You can be the greatest mentor. If you can't play, you're out. Yeah. I mean, it works that way. I mean, yeah, that's that's how it should work. It works that way in comedy too. It's like if yeah. Chappelle is trying to give you a tag for a joke, you're going to be like, yeah, please. What else? And here's my number and email. And do you want to have Thanksgivings together? But you know, if you got a, a two month in open micer, that's like, Hey, uh, I thought of a closer for you. You're like, Wait, how long have you been doing this? So it's like, you know, it's, 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 this, it's, yeah. it's, it's true in every walk of life. We yeah. want to hear people <clears throat> that have earned the right to be heard. Is, uh, are they taking advantage of that? Are they trying? Are they? Uh, they've been great. They've, yeah. No, they've been awesome. They're they're good. They're good players. They've had success in the past. Um, I know they're young, but they they've had success, um, you know, in their own right. But um, they've yeah, what been do you great. See, what do you see in someone like Will Disley, who I know the Hawks are real like you know hot on, and it's like too crazy. I mean, and you can speak to this. I know you've had uh, you know injuries and bounce back, but it's like to have in your first couple of years, like what he's had and go down is kind of insane, right? Like, yeah, it's been tough. And yeah. but, yeah, it's hard. I mean, to see a guy in two years have two, you know, significant injuries. Um, you know, it's not like he pulled his hamstring, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just hard because so many of those kind of injuries, there's nothing you can do. Mm-mm. There's no, oh, he didn't train hard enough. He came in out of shape. It has nothing to do with that. It's just freak it's shit. It's like bones break, tendons. It's just it's the unfortunate reality of this game. And um, to see a guy that has so much promise and to see a guy that at times really showed that promise on the yeah. field, to just have each of the first two seasons cut so premature um, is tough. But unfortunately, that's that's this game. and uh, And it's not – this game is not for the the faint of heart. And I think he's proven that at the very minimum, he's not going to quit. Right. And he's going to continue to attack rehabs and continue to bounce back and bounce back as long as they'll have them. And I think that's step one for any young player in this league is to have that relentless pursuit and that relentless attitude and it'll pay off for him. He just got to stay the course. He's got to just continue to, to fight the fight. And And uh, there's nothing that always works out for guys like that. I think so. I, I, there's nothing you can do to try to prevent like injuries. Right. I remember in seventh grade football, man, I was playing on the select team just cause I was a bigger dude and, and we were doing angle tackling. And this was like my first, I was not supposed to put on pads for two weeks. Cause I was new to the team, but our coach was just, just like, guy looked like he woke up and swallowed a pack of marble lights. He was just like, Ray, get your fat ass in there. You're hitting today. And I was like, I don't think I was supposed to hit for two weeks. Coach He's like, fuck that noise. Get in there. You pussy. And I was like, I'm, seven, I'm in seventh grade. I don't want to be called a pussy in front of all my friends and no, of in front of high schoolers that are older than me. So I hop in there, and, I'm, and there's a little kid named Alan Roquet was his name. This kid for sure sold drugs to teachers at our school. For sure, I think, banged moms. I mean, he was <laughs> – and he was playing linebacker, and he was the first guy up to angle tackle me. And I remember running at a, a straight line and then turning and then just stopping and freezing because I was like, this looks like – the worst thing to be on the receiving end of, which is the worst thing you can do as I later on learn is like, 
how you're going to get hurt is by not going full out, right? But 100%. I can only imagine. You made the biggest yeah. cardinal rule. You, you broke the biggest cardinal rule, though, in yeah. history of those drills. You got to count back in the other line and make sure that you don't match oh, yeah. up with like an assassin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? That's like everyone's – the first lesson everyone lo- you, learns in youth football is anytime you line up for angle tackling, eye opener, Oklahoma, you got to make sure like – you go get a water break so somebody gets in front of you because the third kid in line is an absolute killer, oh, but yeah. the fourth kid, his mom makes him play with goggles on, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's, you got to time you, it out. You got to time it out. So that we was your like, first problem. Uh, well, dude, it was can't tough. Go with because, the kid who sells drugs. Well, do we? We had Alan Roque, then we had this kid named Jason Potts who smoked during practice and always t- told told me that my mom had uh, great boobs, and then like. And then there was a kid named Jess LaCasse and then Lamar Patrick. So it was like, it was bad blood, bad blood down the line. Like it, yeah, so I would have were, had to like get back in line and, and then look at myself from across. You the would have had to like, tackle yourself. <laughs> that was you the only in, way to avoid injury. You were in a tough, uh, you were in a tough boat there. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that, not to get off the topic, but um, that was your first mistake. But so injuries but yeah, are, yeah, there's, it, there's no way there's, to. I mean, it's just so hard. I mean, yeah. I had gone, I had went 10 years without, ever missing a game due to injury and then 2017 2018 I broke the same bone in my foot each year I mean and it's a bone I mean what what are you gonna do you know bones break and I tried like hell to do everything in my power to come back from it the first time when I had the surgery and first game of the next season broke again and it was just you know it's demoralizing it's you start questioning whether it was worth it you start questioning am I done can I is my body telling me like you can't do this anymore man and for whatever reason, the craziness inside all of us, you just keep going forward until they tell you they don't want to have you anymore. And sometimes they need to put you out of your own misery because it's hard to put yourself out of it when you've done it for so long. Like, oh yeah, you don't know anything else. And sometimes the team ends your career before you're really ready, you know? Oh yeah. I was going to say, when you get that, when you go through something like that, is it your wife? Do you get like your kid coming in being like, dad, you're going to keep playing, right? Like, or is it like, because I'm sure you you know, fans are chiming in, you get sports analysts trying to chime in, you know, you're dealing with your own inner thoughts. Like what finally silences all that? And do you even listen to that? Are you, or are you trying to just, you know, you hear it, but you don't listen, Yeah. you know, to the outside stuff, you know, my wife and if it was up to my, my kids, especially my oldest son, like I would play forever. He has this dream that like, he's going to be the 16 year old ball boy for like the team I'm playing on. And I'm going to be 45, but he's going to be able to be, it, and I'm just like, hey, buddy, I hate to be, cry before two two p.m., dude. <laughs> I I hate to I hate to be the bearer of bad news. I'm not going to be playing when you're 16. I'm not going to be <laughs> yeah, playing yeah. maybe when you're 10. Yeah, you dude. know what I mean. Like it's That's it ain't hilarious. happening, brother. Yeah. But um, they they've been awesome, you know. And and my wife has a really good way of you know keeping things in perspective, right? And you take you take a step back and you kind of look throughout the world and you're like, all right, I broke a bone in my foot. It seems like it's the end of the world. I'm going to be okay in eight weeks. Now, at the time, it seems like it's going to be eight years. But, you know, it, I think everyone goes through that, like, initial, you know, you kind of just close yourself up, pity party. Yeah. The world's ganging up on me. What did I do to deserve this? And then as time goes on, you start to stop feeling sorry for yourself. And you're like, all right, I can do this. It's not the end of the world. Like, let's quit being a baby and let's go. Yeah. Um, what was draft day like? I'm curious – you know, draft day. Uh, Mark Sanchez is a good buddy of mine, and we had a little football podcast going for a little bit. And uh, and he, his draft day, the the draft days of, of so many players, we've gotten to break down. So I was talking to Christian Kirk uh, a couple months ago, and his was bonkers, just being with family, thinking you're going to go when you're. There's just so much to it that I think fans don't realize on the inside. Yeah. And um, just take me through that day, I guess, and and building up uh, to yeah. it as well. So we had like a draft week. So I, I did all my training. I went to school down in Miami did all my training down in Miami. And then we did our draft day at the shore club on Miami beach, Wow! which if anyone knows Miami beach, it's like an awesome hotel. It's like a little like chicy, trendy. Yeah. Um, But anyway, at the time as a college kid, when your agent's like, Hey, we're going to do our draft party at the, we're going to get a villa for each one of our guys in the back of the shore club. You're like, you know, it's like the greatest thing you've ever heard. Oh, yeah. I look back on it and I was like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> I would never do that again. But yeah, anyway, yeah. at the time it was awesome. Of course. So that week, um, I had we had our whole family 
come down to Miami and we stayed at the short club for like four or five days leading up to the draft. So this was back when the draft was on the weekend and the first round was on Saturday. Gotcha. So we spent, um, I had to go to New York for like a couple of things that week, but my family was all down at the shore club and hanging out and getting ready for the draft. So I came back like thir- Thursday, spent a couple of days. Friday night, we went to um, a place called Monty's on the beach, right. which is like a raw bar on the intercoastal, like a cool, like Miami spot. Yeah. And I rem- I'll never forget, we were sitting there and, you know, eating and getting ready for the draft the next morning. And the TVs were on, it was ESPN, and they were doing like a mock, a mock draft going through, going through. So now you're sitting there like it's the real draft. And meanwhile, Holy it's shit. like Mel Kuyper telling everyone who, you know, the Seahawks are going to pick yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And you're going and you're going. And like, and I was, a- I had anxiety just watching the fake draft. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You, I don't even remember. Who I get anxiety was. watching Kevin Costner in draft day. And that's it's, not even real. I know. It, I Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. was like sweating bullets, eating stone crabs in Miami. Like, <laughs> my life is over. I'm never going to be drafted by anybody. So now fast forward the next morning, I was up at like six o'clock. And we just start like walking up and down Lincoln Avenue in Miami, just like finding somewhere to eat. We find like a Cuban cafe. We're like eating Amazing. breakfast, just trying to like occupy our lives. Yeah. Sure enough, long story short, the draft starts at noon. I was the last, second to last pick of the first round when there were 20 minutes between each pick. That was the last year they had done it. I was drafted at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Six hours the first round went. And uh, got drafted by Chicago. And the next morning on Sunday morning, flew flew to Chicago for my my press conference, my introductory press conference, and uh, off and going. But when it got late in the draft – I was like, I made the wrong, you know, then you start having all those thoughts. I made the wrong decision. I shouldn't have come out because I left school early. Yeah. Thinking I'd go in the first round and now they're at like 29 and you're like, shit, that's, there's only four teams left and none of them, you know, and then you're like, and none of them need a tight end. None of them talk to me in the draft. Now you start like coming up with all these scenarios in your head. Yeah. Did you have any discussions with the bears or was that completely out of nowhere? They came, they came to my pro day. They sent like a, a scout to my pro day, but I had never spoken to, Lovey Smith or Jerry Angelo. I, I had very little contact with them. And sure enough, that's who picked me. That's amazing. So that who, was cool. Who was the first person you uh, talked to or called or to share the news with? Or was well, that my whole family was down there. My whole okay, family yeah. was down there. So in, in that regard, that's they awesome. all knew when I knew. How about, wait, how about this? Who's, who was the first friend that, that uh, you know, you kind of lose touch with or family member or new family member or new like friend of like husband of your wife's good friend that's like greg hey bud like what's crazy is that i live in chicago now and uh i don't have any ticket you know like what who there's there's always that stuff i I have to say i've been pretty lucky in that regard um oh good you know i you get the occasional texts from people which are harmless hey congrats haven't talked to you in a while which i love and i always pride myself on getting back to like everybody, even if it's someone that I haven't talked to in 10 years, like I'll make sure like if I don't do it that second, like I'll make sure that I get back. Cause I it hate takes the, more effort not to do that. I, and I it feel makes, the same exactly. Way. And you yeah. see that little blue button next there that you haven't read, but you kind of read it, but you yeah. haven't, I'm like, I just got to respond and just yeah. like, make sure I do this. Good for you. But um, no, we've been lucky in that regard. I mean, we, we have family and stuff that comes into games and whatnot, but our families have been great um, in that in regards to those things, but you hear horror stories from some guys where oh, yeah. it's just people who come at it. You know, remember I coached you in Pop Warner ball when you were seven, if it wasn't for me, you never would have made the middle school Holy team. And you would have, you know, it's like, yeah, what? A, like, a teacher that's like, I passed you and I didn't have to, but I knew you, you were destined for greatness. Exactly. And I'm going through rough times right now. Okay. My car just got repossessed. I live behind that Denny's, not the good Denny's either. I fucking have to work there. Actually, I got fired today. I just found out as I was talking to you. You fucking up. Yeah, you're just like, all right, I guess I can break you off something just to just to shut up. <laughs> just to shut up, yeah. Um, do you uh is there time for extracurricular stuff during this time? Or is I mean, getting to go home has got to be amazing, right? And not be yeah, staying at like a team hotel. Yeah, this is the first training camp that I haven't been at. So in, in Chicago, we went to a small college. Yeah. Um in Illinois. And then the same thing in, in Carolina, we went away to, so my training camps for 13 years was not home. It was not with my wife and kids. I was separated. Um, but now at the end of each day, I come home on my off day, 
I'm home and, you know, kids are doing schoolwork at the kitchen table this morning. And, you know, it, are so you in a better mood because of that? Like is practice, are you more jazzed to go to practice and come back? I mean, is it like, yeah, it's, you know, I think it's, it's a nice break to have the thing, but then it's nice at the end of a long day to like be able to come home to your house with your wife and kids yeah, catch man. up. You don't feel like you're missing every single thing that they do. Right. Um, training camp is always kind of an, always a tough time for everybody. You know, summer's winding down, school's getting started. So the kids and you're, you're kind of getting antsy about, are we ready for school? Did we do yeah, it? Yeah. Did we read enough books this summer? Did you have a project? You know, you start like going wild over your summer plans. Um, and then I'm gone for like two and a half weeks. I'm like, all right, wife, Kara, you got it. Yeah. Get them ready. Fuck. And she's like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's, uh, this has been, this has been cool. This has been, it's been different, but it's, um, it's been nice to not feel like I'm so separate from them. Are they allowed to come down? Is anybody allowed to come no. down? To it's like, it is locked tight. If you don't, if you haven't gone through like all the COVID stuff, you can't even step in the building if you work for the team. So there's no families, there's wow. no guests, visitors. What about new there's, friends you make through podcasts? They, they said if you do a podcast <laughs> and it's good, and it's um, then and they Pete listen so, to it. Yeah, yeah so, we're, so we're, we're still in the air on that. All right, fuck, thanks. Um, <laughs> I do want to, uh, this has been awesome, by the way, dude. I, you're, uh, you're such a beast. And I got, I mean, to, to be, uh, you know, uh, just as prepped as you are, uh, still and to be consistent that to me is like in anything especially in sports seems like the toughest thing to to really is to be consistent and like from the get-go I mean like look at your numbers how they just like kept going up each year um, and I know you know from the things I've read and, and the what I've heard from uh, some of the guys that are buddies of mine that I've mentioned like being like a good dude on and off the field I know that probably like you can be a great player and and not being a great dude doesn't like have to be a part of the equation, but it's like, and then you're uh tell me about the heart foundation that you're working with. Like yeah. there's another thing that's like, you know, I think just makes you like the total package. Yeah. So in 2012, I mentioned um, we have twins yeah. that they were born in 2012. They're seven. They'll be eight here in a couple of months. Um, when I talk about like perspective and like my wife keeping his perspective, um, our son TJ, who's now seven, was born with a really serious congenital heart defect, where in essence, uh, the left side of his heart, when he was developing in utero, never developed. So he was born literally, and I'm actually conveniently wearing our shirt, promo, free promo. Okay. Um, he was literally born with half of a heart. He only had half of a working heart. And if left undiagnosed and untreated, you just That's die. It. Yeah, because you, yeah, you just die. Uh, fortunately he was diagnosed before he was born. So we knew he was going to be born with it. We were able to make all the arrangements and doctors and all that. And, um, he, he had his first open heart surgery at two days old. Oh he had God. his second open heart surgery at, uh, six months old and his third at two years old. And they've completely reworked his heart. So he literally has half of a heart that pumps and they reconfigure all the plumbing that it completes his whole circulation of his body. It's a long story, but in essence, that's what it does. That's insane. And um, yeah, so he's been through a lot. So we, back in Charlotte, Levine Children's Hospital, which is the hospital that he's received all of his care. And, um, you know, we're so thankful for her in that community. My wife and I have, um, we started The Hardest Yard, which is, uh, as you mentioned, a, a nonprofit program that funds a variety of programs. And we're actually just opening a uh, 20,000 plus square feet um, cardiac facility, brand new start state-of-the-art cardiac facility. We're going to wow. bring all the sub-disciplines into one facility on campus at the hospital, and it will open in January. Good for so you, that's dude. under construction now, and um, some of the other services that we provide from our program uh, will be housed in this now actual facility. So we've, uh, we've been working on that for about seven years now, and it's something that we're really into and something we take a lot of pride in, and we love it. That's incredible. So you've just got constant inspiration around you just yeah. daily. Yeah. He's a, he's a special kid. And so many of these kids, we call them heart babies. They're, uh, they're awesome. We've met so many cool families. We've people that just reach out to us on social media or Twitter, or they hear our story. Um, it's a, it's a small world. There's not a ton of kids born with this condition, but there are a lot of kids born with congenital heart disease. And, uh, it's, uh, it's a world that sometimes gets left, it's the number one killer of all babies. And uh, I think people sometimes lose sight of that. So it's been, 
it's been a really cool experience for us as a family to kind of network in this community. And, uh, we've gotten a lot of, we've gotten a lot out of it. That's amazing, dude. Shit. All right. Well, if that's, I mean, you know, if there's not more reason for this, for the city to fucking just fall in love with you, you know, and I know people are wondering clean shaven beard. What are you going with this year? You know, I just kind of, it's, you know, it's very Seattle of you to have a beard. You know that I know I need like a flannel shirt and a beard. (laughs) You've got the whole, how about this? I don't drink coffee. I've never had a cup of dude. Wait, what What are you a surge guy or a Powerade guy? I've never, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. What? I don't do like energy drinks, like any of that shit. Yeah, fuck that. But wait, what's I've never your... had a cup of coffee. Wait, are you one of these guys that's just like, I wake up with just a genuine zest for life. No, I wake up tired of shit. I just suck <laughs> it up. <laughs> I wake up tired and I just say, I suck it let's up. Go. Let's go. Yeah. I've never. Wait, how my come? Wife, my wife is just like a coffee fiend. Yeah, so she's loving it here. Oh. Because there's so many to... mom, pa places, dude. She'd I could go to a you... different coffee shop every day of her life if she could. That's amazing. There's a but, uh, quite a few I, I should tell you about that you could point yeah, in the right she, direction. She'd love it. But uh, but anyway, so you know what's funny about the beard is I've never been a beard guy. Like I'm not purposely a beard guy. I just sometimes don't shave and it gets a little scruffy. Yeah. The year we went to the Super Bowl, I was like, screw it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shave until we lose a game. And it was Christmas and we hadn't lost. We were 14 and 0. I was like, all right, I'm riding it out now. And my beard got long. So now fast forward, like the last five years, anytime I don't have a beard, people are like, oh, you shaved? I'm like, I had a beard for four months. I'm 35 years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But people only know me as having a beard. So I'm like, I got to start shaving more. Yeah. Because I don't typically have a beard. It's just more people must have seen me. Well, yeah, you're on such a, uh, probably, I mean, we're, a big stage. Yeah, we're a roll, run, right? I guess, I guess. But uh, I'm identified as a beard guy. So when I don't have a beard, people are like, you shaved? Yeah, it is weird. I remember the first time my dad shaved his mustache. I was like, "What'd you do uh, with my father?" Yeah, it's you know, who my are daughter. You? My daughter cried, <laughs> like cried, wouldn't come near me, wouldn't like, wouldn't. That's real. Uh, it's real. Yeah, it's real. They, they like don't recognize. They just get so accustomed to being yeah. like. I bet also kids like there's you know there's so much grabbing yeah. and pulling you can do yeah. with that. She uh she was like beside herself, devastated. But wow. yeah, so uh. You could have walked out and been like, see a family, and she'd have been like, as long as you as long as as long as you grow that beard out and walk out, I'm I'm okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know who uh, you are, weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Uh real quick, I'm gonna do a quick uh just, you know, again, uh a, a Seattle get to know you ten question quarantine, uh just quick rapid fire. Cool? Yeah. Okay, cool. And thanks for doing this, by the way, dude. You got you're it. fucking beast. Glad you're here. Um oh, and your podcast, T E one podcast, right? Yeah. Gotta plug that. Gotta plug that. Where can people get that? Everywhere podcasts are found. Everywhere podcasts are available. You know the lines. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. All audio platforms. And you're interviewing all um, I yeah, mean was, tight ends of young. It was and old, pretty yeah. cool. I'll tell you, I, when I, when we first set out to do it, I was like, okay, this could be kind of cool. Like they pitched us the idea of me hosting this kind of like mini series telling the story of the tight end from the yeah. beginning. And I was like, okay, like that's kind of cool. Like I can see it, but who are we going to talk to? Right? Like we got to get the right people to tell this story. Well, fast forward a few months. uh, It comes out next week and it's called TE one, as you said, and we, our first interview is with Mike Dicka. Come on. Who is an absolute legend slash he's Mike. Dicka. Did you get to know him while you were in Chicago? I didn't, you know, and it was really cool for me to interview him now being able to like reflect on my time back in Chicago playing like under, like the shadow that he casted. Yeah. Um, everything being compared to him since Dicka, since Dicka, since Dicka. And just be able to like share some of those stories with him and him kind of talk about his career and some of his, it was, that was a really unique way to kind of start. And then it just kind of hit the ground running. So we started with, with Coach Dicka. Then we got Ozzie Newsom, who's on. now the, you know, the general manager, obviously of the Ravens, Super yeah. Bowl champ. Um, Shannon Sharp and the stories that he told and and that was that was really anyone who's listened to shannon he's he's, oh, he's one of my to fans, talk. yeah the episode could have been four hours long that's amazing um and then we had tony gonzalez let me tell you something skip yeah exactly i <laughs> yeah, was yeah, skip yeah. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, then um we had tony gonzalez wow george kittle travis wow. kelsey and then we finished we did something cool at the end with uh with the rookie from notre dame who got drafted by chicago cole Komet. so he was their second round pick and it was a really cool thing. I'm, I'm anxious for people to hear it, but we thought it was cool that I got to interview Dicka. 
there was a Chicago kind of thing. Yeah. And then here's this kid who, when I was playing in Chicago, he was like a middle school, high school kid growing up in Chicago, being a Bear fan. Yeah. Went to Notre Dame, now gets drafted by like his home team. And like we had each guy share some like level of advice, a message, and we were able to let him listen to it. So his interview, his last podcast kind of puts a good kind of ribbon on the entire conversation. That's awesome. And um, I think people are going to really enjoy it. I know I enjoyed it. I don't want to say more than I anticipated, but it was, it, it was an experience that was, was really cool. Yeah, well, you've got like, I mean, this is also why, I mean, aren't there, like you're already going to jump into like the, uh, the, the analyst broadcast booth, uh, right? Like there's already been, yep. I mean, you, this is something that I think you probably don't, I, I mean, just being easy and, and, and uh, effortless to be conversational and personable like this, not everybody has it and and doesn't you know it's not like you need it to be an athlete but like shit man like post football for sure so it's like you know you wouldn't have uh said yes to that uh whole uh te1 yeah. podcast world if you didn't feel you know interested yeah. and, and comfortable in that avenue right yeah and and the guys and the guests we had they just like really opened up and like awesome. let their guard down yeah told some funny stories kind of self-deprivating stories some inside scoop you know shannon sharp talking about so shannon Signs as a free agent. Ozzie Newsom's the general manager in Baltimore. He leaves Denver to go play for Baltimore. They win the Super Bowl. He has that run. He breaks Ozzie. So Ozzie at the time had the most career yards for a tight end. Yeah. So while Shannon's playing for the Ravens, he beats Ozzie's record. So now he walks into the locker room after the game and his general manager is there. And he's like, and I'm like, well, what did he say? And he's like, he walked up to me and he said, congratulations, Shannon, gave you a hug. And he goes, but I'm still fucking better than you. <laughs> and I was just like, like, it was just so cool to like hear That's them. Awesome. And then I was able to ask Ozzy what he remembered of the conversation. Oh it was, yeah. So it was cool. It, it, it was, um, the guests were great. They opened up and, um, all together. It's a really cool seven part series that hopefully people really enjoy. I'm pumped dude. And it comes out next week. Yep. Okay. Cool. Next week, anywhere, you know, the line, anywhere, yeah, anywhere podcasts pop, yeah. are available. If you man. got ears, just fucking open them up. Um, yep. All right. Quick, uh, quick uh, rapid fire. Get to know you, Greg Olson. Your go-to quarantine cheat snack. Oh man. I had a, I'll tell you in the beginning of quarantine, like before I started my training, I was eating pizza like three times a week. Yes. Dude. Cause it was the only thing open. So we would just like, what do you guys want to do for dinner? Let's and order for kids, pizza. right? Come on. If you got three kids, pizza's I mean, always an option. I, so I had to stop because it was bad. Do you have a low, did you have a local uh, Carolina spot or are you? Yeah, uh, we, we go to a, we go to a little place. It's like right by like where all of our kids do our ball, like our ball fields, Brooklyn pizza. It's called, it's like damn. a guy from New York and it's just got like a nice neighborhood vibe to it. Yeah. And, I love uh, that. We, we are there more than we should be. All right. Well, out in Seattle, you got Pagliacci, you got uh, Zeke's. Jet City is real good. What's the best Seattle pizza? You only get to give me one. Oh, man. Because I'm not going to lie. We've struggled so far. For real? I'm not going to name the names. Put anybody on blast I here. will. Papa Joe. No. Uh, <laughs> your cheese is, is wet. Um, let's. <laughs> <laughs> and you cut dental. And you cut dental benefits, you asshole. Um, no, let's go. Uh... Oh, man, Zeke's is good, dude. All right. Uh, where is it? I mean, there's there's locations. Is there anywhere? Uh, is there any out here towards Bellevue? Like, oh, Bellevue, dude, come on! You're in the you're in a spot where like if you want it, there's like six Paneras probably in walking distance to you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. An Olive Garden, you could just stand on the top of the roof just of your condo and just breads, just, just shake bread. a breadstick, and some fucking Olive Garden seagull will drop a family style plate of ravioli over your head. Yeah, dude, you got all the spots. Zeke's right. is yeah, hit up Zeke's for sure. Right, if you don't Zeke's like them, I'll take this podcast down. Uh, your favorite movie quote. Oh, man. You know what I, I find myself saying? I don't know why this is on. I don't know if this is my favorite, but it's the one that pops to head, pops in my head, like in Dumb and Dumber, when he's like, something that could have been brought to my attention yesterday. Like, I feel like that's my life. Like, I feel yes. like people want to tell me stuff like, oh, I meant to tell you that the store is closed. Oh, I just walked four miles. Like, something that could have been. Like, yeah. I feel like yeah, that, yeah. like, sums up. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like. It You've had an extra pair day. of gloves this whole time. That movie is super yeah. quotable, right? Oh, it's I mean, my favorite movie of all time. Yeah. You know, pull over. <laughs> it's a cardigan. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, just, dude. they don't make movies like that anymore, man. Just no, like also with actors, fun. Jeff Daniels was an Academy Award winner in that movie. It's crazy. 
It's unbelievable. It uh, was... Your favorite NBA player. I don't know if you're watching the bubble at all, but uh... I have to admit, I have not watched one game. You okay? We watch it's a lot the playoffs of now. Lakers Blazers. I gotta watch. Get into I gotta watch. Um, yeah. Who do I like? I like Steph Curry. He's yeah. from Charlotte. He's kind of like the Charlotte, like Charlotte has adopted him because the yeah. Hornets haven't been very good. Yeah. Although I like Kemba. When Kemba played for the Hornets, those you know, when we were living in Charlotte, I was I always liked Kemba. I always felt like for a superstar, like legit dude, he wasn't like a giant douchebag like some yeah. of them. So I've always liked Kemba. But yeah, everyone in Charlotte likes Steph. Yeah. So it's nice to cheer for a guy that kind of came from a humble beginning. I'm actually surprised I didn't meet you in Charlotte. You know, I played in the NBA Celebrity All-Star Game in Charlotte. And uh, me and my, uh, my uh, comedian buddy uh, and uh, heterosexual life mate, Brad Williams, who's a little person, we both played in it. And, I mean, shit, we took shots with Guy Fieri and we're dancing with Jamie Foxx. I was like, dude, there's got to be a Greg Olson sighting out here. If I'm, you, know, if I'm you know what's funny? It's funny you say that. I went, we went to the, the dunk contest yeah, and three-point and, and all that. And then we went to the game. But I had broken my foot. So they had asked me before oh. the season, they're like, hey, it's coming next year. Do you want to play? And I was like, for sure. But after I broke my foot again, oh, I was man. like, I cannot go out there and play basketball. Even though, like, I was okay, I was like, I can't. I can't Dude, you would have dominated. That. Think uh, about yeah. the Olsen to Ray combinations. Dude, we would have been, oh. <laughs> I mean, would've dude. Been like Bird and McHale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just Who's, two stiff yeah. white guys just <laughs> running around. Finally, dude, just what the NBA needs. <laughs> just more stiff white <laughs> more guys. More stiff white guys. Uh, what's your favorite route to run? Oh, corner route. Love that. I call it a seven, but I have to stop using those that terminology now. Man, I've I've paid a lot of bills with that route. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, what would you? Uh, well, I guess we talked about this. What would you do if not football? Oof. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're. I mean, you're going to be doing it, right? Yeah. Well, um, we'll see if I'm doing it anymore after next week. See how it goes. Hilarious. Love the enthusiasm. <laughs> Uh, by the way, that's the right move when you're starting anything like that that you know is going to crush. You're just like, let's probably just set the bar so low. Yeah, you're like, it's they're going to listen to one episode and the Seahawks are going to cut me. Cause you're going to be like, dude, we love you on the field, but God, these interviews are dog shit, dude. Dog shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Dr. Pimple Popper or Shark Tank? Shark Tank. Yeah. Uh, are you a hug or a high five guy? And we're talking pre COVID. Pre COVID? Yeah. Like with my like with my people, I'm a hugger. Yeah. Uh your uh beer bong or a shot? Ooh. Shot. Uh, yeah. I, I've never really been a beer bong guy. Yeah, me neither. I'm not a big drinker, but uh also, I'll do beer a bong good, doesn't I'll have do a song it. to go along with it. Sure. Uh, beer bong, beer bong, beer bong, beer bong. Yeah, not, it doesn't hit the same. No, it doesn't. Uh what's your karaoke go to? Oh, that's I was hoping you were gonna ask me that. So I have two. And it all I'm a huge karaoke guy. So am I. I live <laughs> for karaoke. All right, so dude. I've been known to turn non-karaoke bars into karaoke bars by paying the band. <laughs> That's a true story. What kind of a sentence is that? It's true. What? Um, it's happened before. Sometimes those bands in Nashville playing those bars, yes. those karaoke bars, you give that guy 800 bucks. Oh, and by the way, that is the best way to do it because karaoke with a live band is epic. Oh, dude, it's a night to remember for everyone. Yeah, it's epic. So if I'm in, if I'm in like a country, like that kind of audience, yeah. I'm going sold by John Michael Montgomery. You Love know that it. song? Yep. And then if I'm in just like a normal, like a wedding, like a normal setting, yeah. I'm going uh, Jack and Diane. <sighs> nice, dude. A little Mellencamp. Oh, big time, it. dude. All so right. I got two, I got two options. I'll give you uh, I do a little uh, a little Shania Twain, Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Wow. Uh, a little Bohemian Rhapsody. I know nice. you're like, dude, that yeah. is a fucking – And that's yeah. – Queen. It's queen. I have so I mean, much look. more respect for Queen after I saw the movie. The movie. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Uh, also a little Pearl Jam Better Man. And also, not to be outdone, the Family Matters theme song. That's, that's huge. I got – so there's a show in L.A. called the Goddamn Comedy Jam, and Jaleel White's become a buddy of mine. I got him for the first time ever to come with me and sing the Family Matters theme song. Did people lose their minds? Full live band, 600 people. Yeah, it was fucking nuts. I started it, and I go, God, I can't remember the lyrics. Can you guys help me out? I go, you know what? Let's get fucking someone who, who actually knows it when he comes out. He didn't even know the words. He was holding it on the phone. He's like, how do you know the words? I was on the show for eight years. That's it was, awesome. Yeah, blew people's minds. Uh, all right, awesome. last one. Um, we got here uh the most insane thing you've heard from a fan oh like on the feet you know what i'm saying like when you're down 
You got those fans that are a couple uh, rows back from the uh, from the oh, field. Oh God! I mean, you you can't imagine what people say for real. I mean, they're like wishing you death, wishing you to be injured. You suck. You you've ruined my life. Grow the beard back just so I can pull it out of your Fucking, goddamn face. Oh, oh. <laughs> close. Oh, you anything you can imagine in your mind, there's a good chance somebody said it. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, people are nuts, man. I've had people come up to me like in a grocery store. They'd be like, hey, Olsen, what's up? Hey, they, you're killing my fantasy team, dude. You going to catch any balls this week? I'm benching you. <laughs> like, I'm like, sorry, Brandon. I'm sorry, John, but let's think about what you're saying to another yeah, grown man as you pick up apples for your <laughs> wife. You know what I mean? Like, it's bananas. That's bonkers, dude. Yeah, people are nuts. Fantasy football's insane yeah it's probably ruined a lot of marriages safe to say I, I get it though so i always used to i always used to hate fantasy football and then my kid last year all about did it. it with his like baseball team come on so of course during the week dad who should i play dad who should i play so i'll never forget we're playing the cardinals like week three last year and he has david johnson on his team and david johnson scored a touchdown in the game right so i'm on the sideline watching i'm like yeah oh, they scored so I put my helmet on, getting ready for the kickoff. And I literally was like, well, at least he's on Tate's fantasy team. I was like literally in my mind, like, I'm kind of pissed they scored. But if anyone was going to score, I'm at least glad it was the kid on my Dude, fantasy team. That's like, how, distor- how screwed up is that? No, I mean, that's, that's a good – It's that's real a good, life. That's a good dad thought. Yeah, so. That's amazing. Uh, <sighs> all right, dude. Well, you're a, you're a rock star, man. Welcome to Seattle. I'm so glad Appreciate you're here. You. Yeah, dude, I can't wait for the season. Uh, if they let if they let fans, maybe I'll see you down there, or maybe you can at least just fucking high five or hug my cardboard cutout. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> can't wait. I'll I believe you. It. I'm I'm hugging it all day. That was raw enthusiasm. Uh, T one podcast next week, and um, and I'll I'll talk to you soon, man. Thanks all again, right, man. I enjoyed it, bud. Thanks. All right, thanks, Greg. See you, see you bud. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.